Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Manifesting Brilliance podcast. I'm Jerome M. Hoff, and I'm your host, and I'm thrilled today to welcome you to our conversation, to the space, and uh, today I have a guest who I will introduce in just a moment, um, but before we get started, just a couple of, uh, of things. So if you've listened to my podcast before, you know that I record from my home in Palm Springs, California. It's a very low-tech grassroots operation. I'm not in a sound studio. Uh, so what does that mean? It means you're likely to hear background sounds from my household, from the neighborhood I live in, and occasionally the rustling around of my two four-legged uh, fur children of the canine variety. I have a Boston Terrier and a French Bulldog who are both hanging out with me in my office space today. So there you go. That was Rocco just saying hello. <laughs> um, before we get started, let's just take a moment to ground ourselves. So if it's safe for you to do so, meaning that you're not driving a car, you're not operating heavy machinery, you're not raising a barn, um, if it's safe for you to do so, please close your eyes and place your right hand over your heart and your left hand over your right hand. And together we'll just take a cleansing breath in. And as you exhale, just release anything that might be troubling you, any doubts, any fears, anything that's just keeping you from being in the present moment. And another deep inhale in. And this time as you exhale, allow yourself to become completely present in this moment, which the Course in Miracles refers to as the holy instant. The present moment is the only time when our linear time, our time in space, intersects with God's eternal time. And we see in the middle of our minds a little ball of golden light. We watch this light grow larger and larger until now it fills the entire inner vision of our minds. We see for ourselves within this light a beautiful temple. We see a garden which surrounds the temple and a body of water which flows through the garden. We notice that the inside of the temple is lit as well with the same beautiful golden light. And here we are. For we have been called together by the power and into the presence of God, source energy, the creator of all that is. We devote this time spent together to God's Holy Spirit. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would so uplift us above and beyond all illusion, all fear, all anxiety, all doubt. That we might become the men and women that God would have us be. And so it is. Together we all say, Amen. So at this point, it's my pleasure to introduce you to a new friend who I was serendipitously paired up with uh, via the service Lunch Club. Uh, it's a new sort of networking service that pairs you up with one other person for a conversation. And uh, I met Allison through, through a conversation we had several uh, weeks ago, and we realized we had a lot in common. We're kind of kindred spirits on this spiritual journey. 
and I was really interested in the work she's uh, doing. So, uh, Allison Veronic. <laughs> Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, that's spot on. <laughs> so, Allison Veronic describes herself as a health coach and a healer, and I will just let her take it from there, and she can uh, give the, the listeners an idea of, of what she does and uh, who she is. Hello. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I will say it was quite serendipitous that we were matched up when we were, because yeah, I was right. shocked to know that our my first meeting with someone was so aligned with what I enjoyed talking about. So it was such a treat to be matched with you that day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it was actually my second meeting. So, um, and all of my meetings have been really great. So it's been a really interesting, um, you know, adventure meeting new people uh, yeah. through that service. So yeah. uh, why don't you share a little bit about what you do as a, as a um, health coach and as a healer and sort of how you came to that work? Yeah, so I am a health and wellness coach and a healer. And I support people in finding freedom and flow and peace in their body and their lifestyle. And it is my goal to stand by people and support them in, in feeling good period, you know, and to, to um, find confidence and self love and self care that can really set you free. And I found this work because, you know, of my own journey and, and kind of struggling at times with my health and my mindset and feeling like I wasn't finding answers in the world. I wasn't finding guidance in mainstream information or media that was helping me to feel empowered you know I wasn't finding even in the classroom the you know public school classroom I wasn't feeling like I was being taught how to connect to myself and thrive so I went on a long journey uh, that was really guided by my intuition and it took me places I never could have imagined and I found answers in hidden places and now I want to share um, this state of empowerment and um, personal freedom with others who are, who are looking to do this kind of work and find flow and peace and joy in whatever feeling state they want to have in their lives. So that's my major motivation. That's really beautiful. Um, what, what have you discovered that most people, so you've been doing, you know, the wellness coaching, the health coaching for a while. What, like if you were to talk, to tell me like what's sort of a common issue that people have, I, I think as Americans, um, and maybe it's, you know, the whole world, but I, I feel like we have sort of um, really messed up notions about how we, uh, treat our body in terms of the foods we eat. We don't get enough exercise, and I'm speaking of myself even. Um, we don't, uh, you know, we, we turn always to Western medicine for, um, 
you know, mm. f- for remedies. And so oftentimes I think um, that the, the remedies we're giving ourselves are actually poisons. Mm-hmm. Um, they do the trick, but they're not necessarily treating the root problem. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, uh, I watch Bill Maher every Friday night. Um, mm-hmm. My husband's a, a news junkie and, and we're both diehard die liberals. And so we, uh, mm-hmm. we watch Bill Maher every, every uh, Friday night. And he often talks about how um, we don't, you know, food is medicine and that the underlying issue with a lot of people is the foods they eat. And um, I just had a conversation a few a few days ago about that, about weight loss and releasing weight. But mm-hmm. anyway, so I'm kind of, kind of off on a tangent, but what would you say are sort of the common common problems that people are experiencing? I, I do want to say I appreciate the tangent because it feels like we could go in any direction and it applies to health and what we're talking about. I would say a couple of things. One is that many of us don't believe that we know what's good for us because health is something that we've been taught that we are, we have to go to someone to be told what to do. Mm -hmm. And we are taught to be um, kind of separate from our bodies And that can be from many different experiences because of trauma or because of our work uh, culture, the way that we work and grind so much and have to push through pain and kind of silence ourselves to get to the next place, to make the money, to take care of our families. So we are through this disconnected state in belief that we don't know what's good for us. So we do what we're told, even if it goes against what will serve us. And this could be as simple as what to eat or how to exercise, how to live in any capacity, because what you need is not necessarily what I need. It might be similar, but um, there are nuances to all of us. So we've kind of given our power away or had it taken away and, and don't know how to necessarily reclaim that when really we all have a deep wisdom within within us that um, guides us to the right healer, teacher, you know, treatment, whatever it may be. Um, and, and we know what's good for us. So I would say that's a big one. Yeah. It's interesting as you're saying that I'm thinking about all of the things we sort of outsource mm-hmm. in our lives to other people without really trusting our own intuition, our own totally. spirit. Um, and and you're you know mentioning knowing what's what's good for you and and with respect to pain i think we often like you said we push through pain we ignore pain mm-hmm. um but pain is exists in our bodies for a reason it is a, it is a sign that something isn't right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um there's inflammation or there's you know it could be that you've eaten the wrong thing or you're not moving your body in the correct mm-hmm. way um you've you know, and um, I, I, I remember a cousin of mine who was in, I think she was in a car accident and um, injured herself rather severely. And the doctors were wanting to put her on painkillers and then do a surgery that would essentially just block the pain. So she'd no longer mm-hmm. be in pain. And she was smart enough to say, to ask the question. So if you stop me from feeling the pain 
Hmm. How am I going to know if I'm injuring myself again or further? Yeah, she said, the pain is there for a reason. And so if you just block the pain, don't feel it. Am I going to end up being paralyzed because I'm going to continue to destroy my body further? So she Mm -hmm. refused to be on. She refused the surgery. I think she did take some medicine, some painkillers. Sure. Just to sort of reduce the pain. And I think pain management is important for sure. But I thought how profound to realize, (laughs) you know, that if I'm in pain, it's because I'm doing something in my body that my body doesn't particularly like. Um, Yeah, I'm learning from that story because it's a reminder that we get to be, I'm like, anytime that anyone asks a, a good, a great question, I'm like, I'm always taken aback because sometimes we're shamed for asking questions that someone doesn't want to answer. They don't know the answer to, or they're in a position of power and they feel like they should have the answer. So when someone comes through with a question like that, I always take time to listen and learn because we get to be critical thinkers and engaged in our health in that way in our lives. And it's empowering to hear that story. Right. Well, and, you know, I'm thinking in terms of like when I've gone to my doctor, you know, there have been times when I've had the wherewithal to, you know, they're wanting to put me on a medicine or whatever to say, okay, how long am I going to have to be on this? Mm. What are the long-term side effects of being on this med? You know, what else, What you know, yeah. and, and, and also asking, are there other things we can do before taking right. medicine? Right, right now, one of my struggles is I've been diagnosed as pre-diabetic. Mm. And so uh, I love my doctor because she's not wanting me to, to go on meds. And she's mm. saying, you know, let's control this with diet. So I actually spent, and I think I might have shared this with you one of the times when we've spoken in the past, I spent a good hour in the uh, grocery store um, looking at labels yeah. on all of the foods I was buying to see you know, how many grams of sugar in this? How much is added sugar? How much is sugar that's actually naturally there? And um, and then determining like, okay, maybe, it, maybe it's eating all these, you know, we eat so much packaged food, right? We don't eat, um, we don't eat enough raw food, enough real food. And I think that's important too. And I'm starting to learn about that, you know, like, it, and then I had a conversation with someone just recently who said, you know, the, the, you're, you're, and, may, and maybe you can answer if this is correct from your, what you know, but uh, someone saying that um, frozen vegetables are actually better than the vegetables in the produce section because they're frozen at the peak mm-hmm. of ripeness. And so they still have their, their nutrients. And some of the things that are in the produce section have been there a while and they're watering them and they're doing things to keep them fresh that really sort of destroys the nutrients. And I hadn't heard that before. So that was sort of like an aha moment for me. So Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I guess. Then like if you shop at a farmer's market where you know it's just been brought that right. day, right? Right. But the stuff that's in the pro, you know, how long has it been sitting there? What are they doing to keep it, you know? Right. I think frozen foods can sometimes get a bad uh, rap because there's this illusion that they're not uh, full of nutrients when really they are. I guess I that's interesting. Yeah, I would I I don't I can't really speak to that, but um, I wouldn't disagree with that or think that's incorrect. I guess um, we would have to know what happened from the moment of harvesting to being frozen 
like how long that right right time was. But yeah, frozen food is is great. Yeah, yeah. So let's get off the food kick because <laughs> I've spent too much time focusing. But on I mean, food. <laughs> we could we could go. Well, I I do think that's a great point though. Really fast to talk about reading labels because, um, it's a lot of us don't and there's really no shame in that because you're just going shopping. We trust that the food is first of all food and second of all good for us because there's this trust in, in the person delivering who's going to make food. That's not good for us. I I think there's this like disconnection um, in that process. And when we actually take a moment to read the labels, which that was only recent in my life as well, it was kind of a, it first of all made me feel empowered. Like, Oh, I'm engaging in this choice. Right. And um, also it was kind of an awakening to see how much sugar was in the nut milk I was buying and whatever else I was. Right. Buying. Yeah. Well, I, when I, when I first got this diagnosis, you know, I was like shopping and buying ketchup and it's like, Oh, there's a sugar free yeah. option for ketchup. Oh yeah. Who the hell knew that they put sugar in ketchup yeah. and how much. Right. And so I was buying these things and said to my husband, I'm buying sugar free. You're just going to have to deal. You nice. know, cause, and, and he's been really, and it doesn't taste any different, mm. really. I mean, I didn't notice any difference. And so, um, so there's all of that, you know, all the things that they're adding, uh, flavor enhancers and sodium and all these things. Yeah. And then what really scares me is how food has changed over the course of the last 20, 30 years, where now we have genetically modified organisms we have you know um like the formulation of foods has it it's really changed so like when i was a kid you know my mom would you know serve us mac and cheese and different things you know hot dogs Mm -hmm. and whatever uh you know kid-friendly foods and now i think those those the way the foods are produced has changed and probably without us and i don't know this a hundred percent for a fact, but I, I'm recalling conversations and things I've read where, you know, more preservatives, more, Mm -hmm. um, fillers and, you know, and so it's not the same food that we were accustomed to when I was a kid. And so that has contributed now to obesity in, in people and a lot of these other, these other issues. And not to mention the fact that if you live in a food desert, you know, like in some parts of the country, some cities where, you know, it's expensive to eat healthy or it's not available. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's sad. Like, I do believe if you are what you eat, and we are, I mean, the nutrients we put in our body, that's the material that energizes us, that our cells rely on, that our, our body is built of, mm-hmm. you know, and if it's garbage what are we doing to our bodies? You know? Yeah. And that's such an interesting, um, even image to have and to really take a moment to sit with because it's easy to go about life and not think about the cells in your body. You know what I mean? Like we're not thinking about that. We're living unless you work in a field where you're thinking about that. But Um, as an adult, especially to come back to that, that concept, maybe we haven't taken a science class since we were in school and to really think about 
our body and realize that the food we're putting into it is essentially becoming our body. And I mean, it seems like such a simple concept, but to return to it with maybe a more mature mind and realize that that's what's happening can help us to connect to our body. I don't know. I kind of work on connecting to the body in any way I can to make sense of it and to deepen the relationship with it. And I support folks in doing that because like I mentioned before, yeah, we are so disconnected from, from our body. So making sense of it can be challenging. Right. Um, And yeah, the food desert. uh, I guess I don't really know what to say about that because that seems very um, harmful. Well, it is. And I think it's, uh, it's about educating people about, you know, good, healthy options for food, teaching people how to cook properly, um, empowering kids to know about mm-hmm. food. I, you know, I remember learning about the foot for food groups and, and, you know, certain things in, in school, but you know, but I grew up, and I was it's funny because I was having this conversation with the, the last guest on the podcast, so the episode that just before this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name's Laura Fenimore, and she wrote a book called uh, Skinny Fat Perfect, and she mm-hmm. ended up releasing a hundred pounds um, mm-hmm. in her twenties. And we, but we were talking about, um, uh, I just. Uh, what were we talking about? Where was I going with this? With we're talking about the food desert and yeah. and um, and I said to her, I said, growing up, vegetables came from a can. Yeah, that was what I grew up with. You know, I grew up in South Dakota, um, hardworking, middle class parents, uh, raising three kids, didn't have a lot of money, cooked the way their parents cooked, and so. It was a can of peas or a can of green beans or a can of corn. It was, that was the vegetable. That's what we had. Lots of meat and potatoes, yeah. right? Not necessarily the best foods. I, I was telling Laura that I didn't eat asparagus until I moved to California, mm-hmm. you know? And that was, you know, so I, my, my eating habits have changed over the course of my lifetime um, because of what's been available. Living in California, I'm lucky, mm-hmm. right? there's farmer's markets and there's all kinds of great produce available. Um, do, do you feel like gaining access to different foods when you moved to California changed your perspective on, I guess where food comes from, did it kind of open up your mind or change? It kind your of did, although I grew up in South Dakota, so right. we have, we had a lot of ranchers, not so much right. farmers, but lots of ranchers. So beef, yes, yes. you know, beef cattle, that kind of thing. And so I, and in the Eastern part of the state, lots of farmers. So I knew that it came from farms, Yeah, but, but what, you know, I didn't ever see my mother shopping for fresh, fresh vegetables. Right. Like we skipped over that aisle. We just did. Like maybe some onions and potatoes, but right. not the broccoli and not the, the mm-hmm. cauliflower and certainly not the, the asparagus or Brussels sprouts or, you know, some of the other things that I've learned to eat and learned to right. love, right? Um, so, yeah, so my views on, on food have changed. But to be quite honest, Allison, what's really 
been a struggle for me, and we've talked about this before, is to feel connected to my body. Because mm. I am somebody who is uh, very spiritual. I mean, I love talking about spiritual concepts, as you know. Um, yes. I, I love to read. I play the piano. So I, all of my sort of life things that I enjoy, reading, playing the piano, writing, um, watching a good movie, they're very cerebral. I was never athletic, really. I liked to swim. I used to rollerblade, but, you know, and those kinds of things. But I never went out for sports. Mm-hmm. wasn't my thing. And so body awareness is something that I just have not always had. Mm-hmm. And I had an aha moment about two months ago um, when I realized that I need my body. Mm-hmm. Like, I try really hard not to identify as a body because I... I try to identify more as a spirit. And in doing that, being identifying as a spirit and feeling that this body is temporary, I have neglected my body. Mm. I haven't appreciated my body. I haven't loved my body. And in fact, I say really horrible things to my body mm. as I'm getting undressed and climbing into the shower and I'm seeing my big belly. It's all about, ooh, you know, ugh, yeah. right? And so maybe you can speak a little bit to the importance of inhabiting the body and having love for the body Mm -hmm. respecting the body because i would guess that a lot of the listeners are probably in that place where we sort of take the body for granted Mm -hmm. we abuse the body until that moment when the doctor says oh my goodness you're pre-diabetic you need to change how you're looking at this or god forbid there's a cancer right and we need to do something. And then suddenly we're like looking at all of these choices that we've made, the chemicals we've put into our bodies, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. So if you could speak to that sort of from your perspective. Yeah. It's absolutely, as we know, so normal. No one is alone who finds themselves talking negatively to their body. I would imagine we've all done it, you know, um, and probably many times. And, and um, our body does want love and love can help to heal our body. And I've begun to learn that more and more over time. And I think sometimes it can be scary to connect to our body for so many reasons. Uh, we want to be out of our body because of trauma or because of feeling insecure about one thing or another, having been shamed about our bodies. And also I think we feel, this kind of goes back to what I was saying before. It can often feel like there's a hopelessness if something is quote unquote wrong. And I don't even necessarily mean with like aesthetically, but if something arises that um, would be considered a health problem of sorts, um, we're often taught that um, there's a hopelessness there. Mm-hmm. And so to disconnect with it and to, to, to hand the power over to someone else is what we've been taught for the most part when really our actions and our lifestyle can um, help to resolve or you know, uh, keep in check whatever it is that comes up. And that comes back to you know, self-trust and 
connecting to our intuition and and believing that we can feel well and that solutions exist in the world. Um, and so it, it's funny because now I'm going on a rant, but the body does nothing exists by itself. The body is not just the body. It connects to the spirit and the mind. And so it all comes together to create, you know, a whole person on this planet. And um, our whole life will give us clues to connect deeply to our body. Mm -hmm. Um I'm sort of going on and on. No, it's great. It's beautiful because I think it's really important to speak about. So Louise Hay, who you might be familiar with, wrote a book in the 80s called You Can Heal Your Life. Yeah. Right? And it, and there was a, a second, like a sequel to that book. Um, and I can't remember what it was called, but I remember seeing it when I worked at Walden Books back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And you could actually look up an ailment like I have laryngitis. Or something, and it would tell you what the spiritual mind connection was to that ailment. You know, so something like a throat disease would be you're not speaking your truth, and you know, disease is disease, right? Exactly. We're not at ease about something, so there is that connection, and and chances are that what we're experiencing physically has been manifest through a thought process. I so I actually use one of Louise Hay's books uh-huh. uh, called Heal Your Body. That I think, yeah, okay, yeah, and that is something that was it, that was an answer that was something I was looking for for many 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 years, um, because you know I would go to yoga classes um, a little bit here and there. And teachers would talk about holding emotions in the body. And I was in my early 20s and I was like, can you tell me more about what you mean? Like, I don't, I don't understand what that even means. And no one could really give me a, a, an answer. And um, I think that's one reason why it can be so scary and challenging to go into our bodies because if we are holding on to emotions and one, we can't make sense of it. Two, these emotions that we've been avoiding or holding on to, but kind of neglecting come up. Well, who wants to feel that? We've been avoiding it. That's why we pushed it, pushed it down. Um, so, you know, even stretching is something that can be so loving and good for us. And uh, it, it can free us in so many ways. And I think about a lot about it because one of the main things I hear from people is I should stretch more. I hear that constantly. I've said it a thousand times myself. And I wonder why is that so tough to do? Um, and I used to think it was because it's so easy, easy. Like it's so, so you could do it while watching TV. So we just neglect it because, because it's easy to not do the easy thing. And I realized that's not true at all. It's because it's not passive. It's disguised as a passive activity, but it's actually a very active activity because you have to engage with yourself and you have to confront yourself and be with yourself and be kind to yourself because stretching is intense. And it's because these, these blocks and these emotions are coming up and you really kind of 
can't watch TV when you're doing it because you're, you're going to feel yourself and you're going to um, feel a lot perhaps. And, and it's, um, it's more than what it seems to be. It's more than just stretching. It's, it's a whole experience and, and you really get to know yourself in that process. Um, yeah, which is why coming back to, to how we talk to ourselves and loving on ourselves. That is one reason it's so important to, um, find a love for ourselves and and practice self-love is because anything that's going to come up is you're not alone. It's part of you. It's part of your story. It's not abnormal. And if we can be tender with ourselves as we move through our life and our healing, um, we can really support and make space for ourselves to grow and heal and thrive. And we, we all deserve that. Absolutely. And I think that self-love is the key to everything. Mm-hmm. Self-love and forgiveness, forgiving mm-hmm. others, forgiving yourself, right? That's the key. Um, again, in reading Laura Fenimore's book, she talks a lot about healing the inner child. She talks a lot mm-hmm. about learning to love your body. And, and one of the points she makes that's really become very clear to me is if you want lasting change in terms of releasing weight or living a healthier lifestyle, you have to first learn to love your body as it is, or Mm. the change won't be sustainable. You know, Mm. I mean, if you, if you continue, like we were talking about the fact that, you know, you can lose the weight, you can drop the weight, but if you've never learned to love yourself, Mm. and you're a hundred pounds lighter, you're still going to see yourself as that person who carried around the extra hundred pounds. That's so true. And we likened it to people who win the lottery and they become millionaires overnight, but their mindset has never changed. They're still living. They have a poverty mindset and they end up squandering the money. How many people have lost weight only to put it back on and then some? Because it's not the it's not the weight loss that matters, right? Yeah. It's and ultimately the healing of the body is the secondary piece. In some ways, the first piece is to understand that you are source energy that inhabits this body. You are pure love. You're pure light. You're connected to the divine, and that makes you worthy and honorable and perfect, whole and complete before a single thing changes. And so I think if you can start from that place, then I think the intuition kicks in, right? Totally. And so then you sort of start to seek out the right answers. And I also think that in some ways, being in that place, some of the things, the ailments, probably just dissipate. Mm-hmm. Right? Like forgiving the things, the trauma, right? You're talking about holding trauma in your body and the story we create around it. I think the way you release the trauma is just to say it simply is. It doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. Um, It simply, it doesn't mean anything. 
you know, like I have friends who have had horrific things happen to them. Mm-hmm. You know, a friend of mine was raped, mm-hmm. you know, um, ass- assaulted and raped. And she now lives this beautiful life. And I think it was because she mm-hmm. got to the point where she could, he- could heal and forgive that situation by not living in the story, by saying, okay, that happened and it was horrible. But what I've made it mean for myself is worse. Right? Because something happens to us and then we create a story around it and we live in this story. Because mm-hmm. I was raped, I am fill in the blank. You know, right. unlovable, blah, 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 those things. And those are, that's the story we created ourselves. Mm-hmm. When you can dismantle that story, then I think you can be in a place of freedom. And, and I think, you know, you're mentioning stretching and doing these things, how these things come up. I think sometimes people don't know how to release the things that come up. And Absolutely. that's what, what's the, what they're afraid of. And, and I, I remember a good friend of mine, too, who I knew just had all kinds of bottled up emotion. And, and I said to her, you know, you need to get to a place where you can release that. And she said, I'm afraid if I start crying about it, I'll never stop. Mm. It's so horrible, I'll never stop. Mm-hmm. I said, but you will. You will. Mm-hmm. And it might be easy. I think people forget how easy it, not that it's easy, but it's not as difficult as we think it is either. To be in that place of forgiveness and to release it. Oh. In yeah. Ways, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I want to think about forgiveness for a second because that was like, personally, that was the turning point in my entire life. Mm -hmm. There's so much that you said that I want to acknowledge. First of all, the spirituality aspect. I am intrigued by this because we talked about this before, but having that connection to something greater than yourself can really open up so many doors to find peace and purpose and um, forgiveness. And I do wonder about folks who don't have that um, connection. It doesn't mean that, or, or consciously so. Right. Cause um, we all have it, whether we know right, it or not, we all right, have it. Right. And and so I, I was just thinking about that as you as you mentioned um, source because that while I was receiving at, in my own journey a lot of support um, therapy for traumatic experiences I really reached a new level of freedom when I connected to my higher power mm-hmm. and forgiveness was something I was not making space for because I was going to be angry. (laughs) That was the last thing I was ever going to do, you know? Yeah. And and, and it's, yeah. And that's the tricky thing because we think, oh, if I forgive, I'm giving this person a pass. We think that forgiveness has to do with the other person. It has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with them. It essentially means that I am no longer going to be at the effect of this thing that happened to me. Yeah. It wasn't okay that it happened. Right. And 
friend, but I'm no longer going to remain tethered to you with this chain of vitriol and hatred and anger because it's destroying me, right? The Buddha said um, anger and resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to get sick. That's what we do, right? Right? We hang on to, we hold on to these grudges. But the Course in Miracles says you can have a grievance Mm. or you can have a miracle. Mm. You can't have both simultaneously. And as long as you're holding on to the grudge and unforgiveness, you're barring yourself from the miracle. It doesn't, and so, you know, I can talk about my ex, right? I was with this guy for three years. The best of the best, the worst of the worst. And when I ended up leaving, lots of pain. We'd gone through some stuff. And I'm now to the point where if I think about him, I send him love and light. And I say, wherever you are, I just hope you're happy. I hope you're blessed. I hope you're loved. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to have tea with you next week. (laughs) Right? It's (laughs) like I'm releasing this. That doesn't mean we have to sit down and have brunch, you know, on Saturday. Right? It's just I'm releasing this. I'm no longer going to be at the effect of the lovelessness that existed in that situation. My lovelessness, lovelessness or his. Right? And that's what forgiveness is about. It's about releasing that bond. And that's relatively easy to do in a moment, but we have to keep doing it. We have yeah. to keep reminding ourselves every time that person comes up. And it's just a matter of saying, okay, Holy Spirit, let me see this situation through your eyes. Mm. In my eyes, I see the grudge. My, I'm blinded by my ego. But in your eyes, every child is an innocent child of God. Let me see him as an innocent child of God. I need your help to see him mm. in this way. Or that thing that happened to you, that horrific thing. Let me see this differently. Release me from the effects of continuing to live that trauma. It's in the past. It's in the past. The past is over. It can harm me not. Help me to be in that place. Help me to release the story I've created about that horrible thing that that happened to me. You know, um, for instance, the friend who uh, was raped on some level it seems really crass to say this to somebody and sort of unfeeling, but all that happened was you were raped. That's all that happened. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. You were a victim. Somebody took out their anger, their story on you. Horrible. Mm -hmm. It happened one time. Mm -hmm. Stop living in it. The story you created about that meaning you're unlovable, you, you, brought it on yourself somehow none of that is true you created that in your mind you know yeah and which this is why i appreciate conversations like this because when we don't when we're not talking about moving on and forgiveness and healing when you're living with ptsd for instance And you're not hearing conversations about what it even means or what it can look like or how to heal from it. It can feel utterly hopeless Mm -hmm. and it can be hard. And this could be in any situation where you feel hopeless. 
it can be hard to see that there is any alternative way of, of right. being. And um, I, I was just thinking about this earlier, how important it is to find support on some level. So many of us who have found healing have done so, whether it be with books or a therapist or a coach or a community. Um, yeah, stepping into forgiveness can be really scary. The anticipation of, of the unknown can be scary, period. It's just, that's okay. But you don't have to do it alone. There are right. people who yeah. will support you. And, so, you know, so I, I, I think even going back to the question you asked me in the beginning about um, some themes I come across, that would be another one is, is um, many of us through conditioning or otherwise have kind of accepted or learned that we have to, that we can only feel so good or that we, we can't feel better or pain or chaos has to be so prevalent when really, um, of course, all emotions are normal. The whole spectrum of emotions are, are going to, you know, come up in our lives. But I love to encourage people to imagine some sense of freedom or something more because we can feel better. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what we're called to. Like mm -hmm. the universe is programmed for our well-being, for our happiness, for our prosperity, for our abundance. Mm -hmm. Right. And oftentimes we you were talking about we believe that we can only feel so good. We put our faith in the status quo. Mm -hmm. We put our yep. faith in business as usual, maybe getting a little bit better. But but the universe is set up for limitless possibility. Yes. Right. Um we're programmed for cooperation more than we're programmed for competition. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, the Course in Miracles says the kingdom is of heaven is entered two by two. So mm. we need community. We need yeah. other people. We don't have to go it alone. That's all part of the, the lie we've been told, right? You know, yeah. grab the bull by the horns, make it happen. You know, rather than being in this place of allowing. Mm. Just allowing the, the, you know, allowing your emotions, you know? Yeah. When you're sad, be sad. Um, Marianne Williamson tells a story about a Buddha, enlightened Buddha master who is weeping at the tomb of his teacher. And someone says, oh, you're supposed to be enlightened. Why are you crying? And mm. the, the student says, I'm crying because I am sad. Right. Being enlightened doesn't mean right. that we don't ever cry. You know, having our shit together doesn't mean that sometimes we're not angry. It means we're angry and then we let it go. We feel the emotion right. as part of the healthy process of being a human and we let it go. We have we have tools to understand that this too shall pass. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So much. I'm learning so much. Well, no, I and I, I'm learning from you as well because I think 
there's just so much there's so much to all of this and yet it's so it also sometimes can seem really simple you know it's just really about loving absolutely loving who you are understanding your connection to the divine i agree with what you said before about it coming back to self-love and and yeah connection to the divine I was, um, I made a post on my Instagram today, just a five minute video about reflecting. I used to do Thai massage. I don't anymore, but um, that was a big part of my journey that brought me here. And I was reflecting on when I used to practice regularly, professionally, and thinking about the themes that would come up with clients. And more than any of the, the skills I learned, the, the actual anatomy, anything like that, it was so often that people wanted to come into a space where they could turn off their phone, be in quiet, total quiet, and receive love. And that was what it was. And it was mm-hmm. the moments where I, people would communicate with me that they were experiencing like a lot of release, physical release and emotional, was when I would just massage their feet, like something so simple and it was just care and love. And, and that energy was just, that changed my life because it wasn't anything fancier than that. It was just that. It was so sweet. Yeah. 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 I try, I'm trying more and more. I don't get it right all the time, but to remember that every encounter is a holy encounter. Mm. Um, that we are in any moment because Jesus has sent us or God has sent us, however you think of it. You know, the Course of Miracles speaks of Jesus. Um, every interaction with somebody, every every way they treat us is either loving or it's a cry for love. Mm. So even if someone's ugly, it's because they're they're wanting love and they don't feel they can get their needs met in any other way. Otherwise, they behave mm-hmm. differently. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody gets up and says, "Oh, I think I'll be a jerk today." <laughs> it's just in that moment, there something's not right with them. They're not. They're wanting love. They're right. They're not in their right mind. And so, mm-hmm. if we can be in a place to be loving, you know, and we talk, we've been talking about self love, and and it's interesting because w- one of the great commandments, you know, the 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 apostles were asking or some of Jesus' students were asking him, you know, what do we need to know? What are the, the, the great laws? And the God, Jesus says, there are two. The first law, the first great commandment is to love God with your whole heart and with your soul. And the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. And here's what we think it means. We think it means love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. But let's talk about what the word as means. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor because your neighbor is yourself. It's an extension of who you are. Mm -hmm. Wait, so the difference is love your neighbor as yourself or love your neighbor as much. Yes. And I think both are true, right? But sometimes we don't do self-love very well. So, you know. Right. 
And it also, that phrasing kind of feels like there's still a disconnect. If you say as much as yourself, it still feels like there's this separateness. Right. But the, the point yeah. is, love your neighbor as yourself because your neighbor is yourself. We are all the same. We are all extensions of God. This is the spiritual conversation I've needed this week. I appreciate this. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate knowing that. Because... Um, yeah, I could, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think I find myself now speaking, almost always speaking as a collective, we, even, even in like, when I talk about coaching, I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable saying you, you need to do this. It's we, what I do is for you. What you do is for me mm-hmm. and we are the same and we're serving the world. Which, which is, I've just been finding that to be a huge motivation in stepping into myself as of recent um, more and more is because we all are equal in this world and being, I'm realizing how much we're all leaders and how much, you know, the world has changed so much in the past year and some change and I've been stumbling upon conversations in my neighborhood where some of us are like, well, what do we, we're going back into the world. What do we do? It feels like things are different. I don't know how to enter back and not even about anxiety. Just like, do we change things? What what do we do? And it, it, it's caused me to realize we can all be leaders in our communities. We're all, we can just, we can work in our home. We can change our homes, our, health are we not change but um yeah transform it take it to the next level be more who we are be more authentically who we are it's interesting to me what we've just been through collectively as a human race Mm. as a country this global pandemic was important Mm -hmm. um elizabeth kubler ross uh was a psychologist i believe but she wrote a lot about death and dying yeah 80s do you know her yeah i yeah yeah. and so she wrote about aids and she said aids will be here until we learn the lesson it came to teach us and that lesson isn't about being gay or promiscuity it's about we are one human race and we are here to love one another we didn't learn it with aids right maybe we'll learn it with covid19 i and i think we're seeing some evidence of it there's so much happening politically and lots of craziness going on. I think we're seeing in a lot of ways the dark underbelly of our country yeah. with, you know, the insurrection and all of those things. And I'll just be very upfront. I'm a diehard uh, liberal, you mm-hmm. know, died in the wall, Democrat. Um, mm-hmm. So all of the things that we were seeing with the Trump administration, we saw the dark underbelly of our country. Yeah. We need to see it to correct it. That's exactly. important. For the first time, po- police officers were held accountable for the murder of a black man. Mm-hmm. We still have work to do there, too. Yeah. I don't know if that could have happened mm-hmm. at any other time. I think the fact that we were all in this global pandemic and we were more aware of connection than ever, I think that is part of the reason it happened. I think we are on the cutting edge, the leading edge of a really great 
spiritual awakening, reawakening, whatever you want to call it, right now. Yeah. It's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us waking up to who we are um, and doing what we're called to do. You know, your work is all about healing and and uh, mind-body-spirit connection and, mm -hmm. you know... Um, I just think it's so beautiful that people are finding their paths and um, helping one another. So uh, we have just a little bit of time left. Um, we haven't touched a lot on the healing aspects of your work. So mm -hmm. I know you're a Reiki master. Yes. I'm not a master. I'm, study I'm studying. Okay. Today. So Reiki pac practitioner, is that the correct yeah. term? Okay. Yeah. So can you just give us a a brief rundown or about what Reiki is uh, for listeners who maybe don't know about it. Yeah. So Reiki is um, healing energy. It's energy work. It's a practice from Japan and it's essentially the Reiki practitioner is channeling source energy to aid in healing so we are the practitioner is channeling energy using our hands to um transfer or transfer the energy to the recipient i'm explaining this so poorly right yeah, now that's great no it's perfect it's perfect um but it's 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 connecting to source and loving energy and high vibrational energy to heal awesome and everything is energy yes everything is energy our thoughts are energy our bodies are energy everything's made up everything in the universe is made up of the same molecular stuff atoms which are vibrating so they're energy thoughts are energy our voices are energy yeah it's um it's so profound um it is yeah, and i think it's the most it's all of these things that were, they've just been around for, uh, since the beginning of time, right? This ability to change things with our thoughts and our energy. And, um, you know, I, I think so many people are skeptical about such things because they seem kind of... Oh, no. I can still hear you. Your, your picture froze, but I can still hear you. Froze for a second. Yeah, we're good. I can. I think I can edit that out. What What I was saying was, people tend to be. Some people tend to be skeptical about such things. Mm -hmm. You know, energy can. Ooh, that's all woo woo, right? Yes. Yeah. But when you break it down scientifically, everything that we experience in this world is made of atoms, mm -hmm. molecular structure, which are vibrating with energy. Right, the atomic bomb was breaking an atom in half and releasing the energy within it. So everything in the everything we can see with our physical senses, everything we can see, touch, feel, smell, whatever, is yeah. atoms. The the you know even the air we're breathing is atoms. So there's energy in all of it, and our thoughts are vibrations. Exactly. So we have full command of these things, and. Uh, there's nothing woo-woo or airy-fairy about it. It is just science. It's scientific. And mm -hmm. I love that. I love um, 
how powerful we are, you know, that we yeah. do these things and we don't even, we are just scratching the surface. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting because Reiki is the modality that I'm currently studying and I'm, I'm realizing that it's a way to, it, it was, a way for me to make sense of, of this power or this um, ability to channel and use energy to our advantage that, you know, I was already accessing, that you're already accessing, that we all are. And it's just the modality of choice for me. Um, and yeah, we're, all we're always channeling our energy. Yeah. All the time. One of the things I do with my clients often is I'll say, are you living the life of your dreams? Are you living the life you've always imagined? And they'll always say, no, I'm not. I'll be like, wait a second. You are. How do I know? Because it's what's showing up. Mm, yeah. Your thoughts create your reality. So this is what your thoughts are creating. You want something different? Start thinking some different thoughts. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. You know? And, and uh, so as a Reiki practitioner, you've just learned how to really focus that energy in a very direct, almost strategic way. Is that correct? Yeah, I learned and continued to learn how to almost effortlessly connect to source and... Um, also to a physical body. Mm -hmm. So how to, and when I say effortlessly, it's because it is effortless. It's, it's a practice in, in connecting to source and then connecting to another person's higher self to discover what's needed mm -hmm. in that moment. So it's an ongoing study and it's um, something I'm always practicing and yeah, to, to do so intentionally when I want to do it. You know, I think so many of us, if we're not having these conversations around energy, we know things are going, we know we can feel things. We know we can go into a room and feel that something's off or on or whatever it is, but we don't ever necessarily, we don't always know what to make of it. All minds are connected. Yeah. So you're saying we're connecting to these things effortlessly because we're already connected. So it's just yeah. it's not even learning to connect is learning to be aware of the connection that's already there. All minds are connected. You can, like you were just saying, I can walk into a room and I can know in 2.5 seconds yeah, that they cool. were talking about me <laughs> and whether they were blessing me or cursing me. Yeah. Absolutely. And nobody needs to say a word. Yes. And I think for yeah, I mean, yeah. And I think so many of us have been told for years and years and years, no, you're, you're not right. You don't know what you're feeling right now. You know, we've been denied or, or kind of gaslit. Um, mm -hmm. If you go up to a group, hey, were you just talking about me? Of course they're going to lie to you. No. Oh, of course not. Um, and, and it's through these moments where we're denied kind of the truth. 
that we silence this ability to right. understand the energy and all of its powers um, yeah. and potential. Yeah. In my career coaching practice, I'll often uh, speak with people who are unhappy at work and they'll talk about a boss, you know, that's a difficult relationship with a boss. And I'll say to them, your boss senses your contempt. Mm. And they're like, like, how could he? I'm like, all minds are connected. We all know everything. On, you know, we all know everything. And so you want this to change. You need to bless your boss. Because he senses mm. your contempt, right? Pray for 30 days for your boss's happiness. Interesting. And something will happen. Something will happen. Either you'll get a new job, they'll be transferred, the relationship will change, or you'll stop caring. But you cannot bless another human being and let the circumstances stay the same. It just won't ever happen. So. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to try that. Yes, if you're having currently have a boss, but... no. But if you're having difficulty with anyone, yeah, you know, oftentimes with with coaching clients, if they're you know having issues with parents for a long, long time, you know, it's like mm. okay. First of all, see your parent as an innocent child of God. Secondly, realize that your parent is living in their story. It probably has something to do with how they were raised. Yeah. Thirdly, your job is to love and bless them. Pray for them mm-hmm. for 30 days and then have the conversation if you feel compelled. But don't, I think that's the other thing. We rush into confrontation. We rush into these, these situations where we're going to put some, you know, hold someone's feet to the fire or whatever. And we don't do it mindfully. We don't say, we don't take the time to pray about it and meditate about it. Mm-hmm. You know? Do you know what I'm saying? We, we're yeah. so connected to source, but we don't use it. And then we go <laughs> in and we try to, we try to manipulate situations to our own, you know, based on what we want. You know, how many times have you been with somebody and you're going to do a meeting and they're like, what's our intention for this meeting? Mm-hmm. Let's set our intention. I get that, but in some ways it's like manipulating things, right? Let's, yeah. Our intention should be to all be loving and to speak our truth. That's what it should be. Our well, intention okay. shouldn't be to manipulate these other group of people to doing what we want. That's not holy. That's not authentic yeah so let's show up as love let's hear what they have to say let's speak our truth let them speak their truth and let's you know come to some consensus and that will always be the perfect situation yeah rather than going in and trying to manipulate things and we do it all the time with relationships right um yeah and then what does that create that creates disease in the relationship it creates disease in our bodies because we're not speaking our truth yeah, and this is just more evidence that having a connection to um, having a conscious connection to the divine can just support all moments of life. Because Absolutely. Yeah. Even having that trust, that's like a whole nother thing is, is having that trust in any moment whether it be in a meeting that you're nervous about or having a conversation with a parent or trusting that you're going to get the money you need or whatever it may be. Yeah. Trusting that you can heal, trusting that you can figure it out. Stepping into trust can be. Yeah. It's, it's difficult, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I want to share with you just um, 
something from the Course in Miracles um, mm-hmm. that just came to me. Um, so this is a kind of a, a good prayer for like if you're going into a meeting or if you're needing to trust. So it's um, I'm I'm here only to be truly helpful. Mm. I'm here to represent him who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. I'm content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me. I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. Mm. Yeah. So to be well, that just, is- that removes all need to worry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm here to be truly helpful. Yeah. My morning prayer is, Oh God, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? Mm. What would you have me say? And to whom? Oh. Yeah, just use me today. Send me where you need me to go. You know, that's beautiful. Lead me to say what you need me to say. Yeah. That's also from The Course in Miracles. Mm. Yeah. Love so that. before we go, I have some quick questions. So yeah. I, I stole these from Oprah. I love Oprah. <laughs> I do too. So on Super uh, Soul Sunday, she often yeah. uses these questions. Okay. Okay. So the world needs what? Love. Unconditional be- love. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I believe in peace. Love is healing. I am grateful for my body. God is love. What is the soul? What'd you say? What is the soul? What is the soul? The soul is the soul is energy. Good answer. Yeah. And what do you know for sure? I know for sure that life is full of so much magic and miracles. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Allison. This has been uh, just an uplifting, beautiful conversation. Uh, would you please let our listeners know how they might reach out to you if they wanted to know more about your work or connect with you? Yeah, of course. So you can find me through my name, Allison Veronik, V-R-A-N-I-A-K, um, dot com at my website or on Instagram. And two L's and Allison, right? Two L's and Allison, Yes. And thank you for having me. This was such a beautiful conversation. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll have to do it again. Um, so listeners, if you're wanting to reach out to me, you can find me at manifestingbrilliance.com. Email is manifestingbrilliance at gmail.com. If you are enjoying this podcast, please do me a favor. Tell your friends, uh, share it with other people who might be interested in the topics we speak about. If you're listening on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, audible.com whichever platform you're listening to us on if you could take a moment to review the podcast it's a great way to spread the word about these conversations and let me know how we're doing um, and with that i will just say god bless you go in peace do something beautiful for yourself and for the planet today sending lots of love and light thanks for listening mm-hmm.